Well, we have reached season five. Five years old? The show is five years old? I it's feel not quite. It's not quite five years old. It's like dog years. I feel so out of old. practice, you know? Like, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, what character of myself do I need to be for this? And then I realize, wait a minute. All I do is embarrass myself anyway, so we should just roll with it. Yeah, I'm with you. Welcome to the podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock. The show where two neighbors drop by for conversations that are fun, relevant, and downright hilarious. Join them and special guests in their mission to talk about anything and everything and laugh about it no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. Hello, hello. Well, cheers, my friend. Welcome to season five. Cheers, bud. It's good to see you again. I'm I glad know. You're still, like, sticking with me on this. Well, I mean, we have gone through some time, some growing pains, right? <laughs> it's it's at the right. <laughs> you know, my favorite part about working with you on this project so far has been I now know when I get silence as an answer, I need to immediately change gears, <laughs> like it, right it's, away. It's like that awkward beat. I was like, well, let's give him a you minute. That let's let's give him a minute. I know. Like, hey, Brian, what do you think about three cameras? Silence. <laughs> he'll, he'll, okay, he'll make you know, the right decision. I yeah. know he will. I know he will. I'm with you on two cameras. <laughs> That's the way to go. Uh, we have a great neighbor that has stopped by, a local neighbor. But before we get to our guest this week, uh, we are going to give a shout out to our sponsor. Philip, Neighbors Don't Knock is produced by CNG Communications. CNG specializes in small batch voiceover and video production for commercial media, podcasting, radio, and more. They combine years of experience in acting, podcasting, and sales. CNG offers big media products at small business prices. To learn more, visit our Facebook page or email us directly at admin at neighborsdontknock.com. So we have a local neighbor with us, and it's really great. I can't wait to get to this uh, this neighbor. Uh, but first, before we do, I just wanted because it's kind of been our vacation time. Have you done anything exciting? You know, I, I yes and no, yes and no. I got to experience the throes of COVID. That was fun. Yeah, that that sounds exciting. It was. <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah. It was, Way it to was, bum it was all of our listener great. out. No, you know Sorry, what, listener. You know, for... <laughs> what I got, you know what I got to do, though? I got to drive from New York to Houston because of it. And I will say this. One, awful drive. I've done it many times. It is absolutely terrible. It's like Jeez, 26 we're trying, hours. We're trying to regain listeners here, not hey, lose bear them. Bear with me. Bear with me. <laughs> However, my wife had never done it. Okay, so a scenic route. Scenic route. So got we got it. to go through Shenandoah in Virginia. Oh, be- be- that's a beautiful area. She had never seen it. Yeah. Absolutely spectacular to watch my wife and my daughter go through the mountains of Virginia and the Shenandoah Valley and just kind of like light up and be like, we didn't know this shit was here. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh my gosh, it's not flat. I know. Like, <laughs> this stuff, this is actually in our country. I'm like, yeah, you, you might want to leave <laughs> Texas now and again. Wow, what have I done wrong? So that was exciting. How about you? Did you do anything fun and uh, no, not, wild? No, 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 not like that. I, I just worked. I mean, I was... You but, always just worked. Uh, well, that, <laughs> I'm not working. I'm not making money, so... But th- that's okay. Uh, I've had a lot of good timed it, it's been able to buckle down with a lot of projects and get a few more under my belt for future things which has given me that time so i'm i'm excited i can't announce anything right now but we have some i have some things down the pipeline that i will hopefully be able to announce soon Ooh, teasers about things in brian's pipe i know <laughs> it's a very long pipe wah, wah, wah. all right so let's get to our guest before we get any more of those out of the way um our neighbor is a fiery redhead i've had the pleasure of working with uh she is the artistic director of lone star lyric AFA Sing Out Cabaret Workshop Director. She's also a Wharton County Junior College faculty member, Lone Star College in Kingwood, staff singer at the First Methodist Church, uh, regularly tours with Eric 
Guinness, and I may have mispronounced his name. Uh, Concerts for Hope is the name of that. She also is a judge around for universities and all across the Houston area. Uh, Tuts Theater Under the Stars here in Houston, the Tommy Toon Awards, Houston Graham Opera, High School Voice Studio, and the 16th Annual National Opera Association Convention. She has a BA from Cal State University, Fresno, and a master's from right here in good old U of H. That's a lot. I wanted to get through it, but we just want to get her on the show. We want to welcome Kelly Estes to our program. Hello, Kelly. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. You forgot the tarot reading. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did, I, I was. I knew I forgot. So, I knew I forgot something. I, I was going through that whole list of everything. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. You can find Kelly at from your palm to mine in Houston, Texas. <laughs> so, Kelly, it's so good to have you on. How has your summer been? I mean, you've obviously, with everything that you do, I'm sure you have non, you haven't stopped working, I'm sure. No, you don't <laughs> stop working. You go from job to job. Well, I've been very busy. We uh, just finished our 16th season at Lone Star Lyric, and we produced uh, three operas. I wrote one, directed two. Wow. So, and that was all in one night. So this was our, uh, it was a big- Wait, a wait, big you summer. wrote and directed in one night? I wrote one of the three operas that was, excuse the expression, <laughs> mounted. Uh, that oh, no, no. Our, our listener will appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> did you just do listener singular? <laughs> yes. I just uh, hopefully it'll encourage more to, to, to tune in. <laughs> oh, Brian Chambers. <laughs> we had a fun season. We were our 16th season. We, we produce uh, traditional operas, but all small cast boutique size. And we also uh, promote new works. So this was a season where we celebrated two new works, and one of which uh, I wrote. Not surprisingly, if you know me, it was called Happy Endings. Yes! Happy (laughs) Endings sounds like a show that everyone would want to go... Get behind. That's right. uh, That's not... I'm... Happy Endings. Happy Endings. Is it too soon? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Cheers to happy endings. <laughs> so I was so worried when Brian said that you're going to come into the studio and, and do this with us. I was so worried that I would be inappropriate, but <laughs> you just use get behind with happy endings. So I know now that I'm in good company. This I, is exciting for me. Well, okay. And I know we're going to dive into Lone Star Lyric in a little bit, but let, before we get into any of that and what's going on, um, you know, you're originally from California. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Fresno, actually Clovis, California. Okay. Okay. So, well, Valencia. I was born in Valencia. So, oh, okay. so in that area. So nowhere but, near. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but you, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I'm from the raising capital. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> the Cali- right the California you raisins. You just got called out in the first five minutes of the show. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that, so hey, hey, nowhere hey, relevant. Hey, listen That's there, a- Bushwood <laughs> over there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into we'll, my background later. Yeah, God, as I was going to say, we'll, you, we'll get your, your sweaters and martinis in just a moment. It's an Afghan. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, all right, so what got you from, because you ended up in New York and then before you came down in here to Houston. So where is your journey kind of taking you to get to Houston to be one of our neighbors here? So originally uh, I was kind of a jock in high school and college and I played collegiate sports, collegiate volleyball actually, and that's all I wanted to ever do. Played at San Francisco State, and then I went home. Uh, didn't like San Francisco at the time. I, uh, my father says I went to, I sat out a year, and he says I went to MWU, Minimum Wage University. <laughs> Graduated and went back to school and had to take an arts credit, took choir, went on a spring concert tour to Europe, and I was like, what's easier than singing? So I... Literally, um, had sung in junior high choirs and decided to change my major after <laughs> sort of a, a lifetime commitment to the sport of volleyball. So, wow, that had to have been super easy. <laughs> it was really fun. My father continued to ask as he scratched his head, At what point do you get off of the Estes payroll? And I oh, said, I'm, oh, I'm so glad that you continued that phrase. I said, oh, daddy. <laughs> because, oh, hey. Because there was, hey a, there. there was possibly a beat right there because we had just finished talking about happy endings. So I'm so glad that we continued that sentence. Wow. <laughs> We're going there. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so volleyball player, which volleyball. I, didn't, I didn't know that about you. I think that's really neat. It's really random. And then, uh, so I changed my major, finished at Fresno State uh, in music, and then 
decided, because I didn't grow up doing musicals or theater of any sort, um, I thought I needed stage time. So I decided I didn't think I needed to learn anything more. Let's be clear. You were done. <laughs> I was. Yeah, you were up. like. I just wanted roles on stage. Sure. I wanted stage just time. give me the you put in, just give me the light, time. Mike, and the, the spotlight. I w- yeah. So, in case that was unclear, no, I. <laughs> so I went to grad school, and U of H was uh, the place to be. So I decided to. Uh, I auditioned for several folks, uh, several places, and and uh, U of H was sort of the best fit for me. And Houston turned out to be a fantastic uh, hub of. Lots of opportunity. So yeah, we are a little bit of a smorgasbord type of a hub of as far as artistic talents go, and and th- and different oh, I think, I and different Houston... different th- different things like between the arts, uh, you know, the theater and everything. I think it's really an interesting mix. And I actually uh, think the Houston wide variety in in terms of the states. I think the Houston art scene is one of the most fascinating in uh, in the country because there's so much going on, kind of like behind the scenes that a lot of people wouldn't hear about non-mainstream, whether it be performing arts or whether it be um, visual arts like painting and and sculpting and whatnot. Well, I mean, not to toot our own horn, but we have an incredible uh, art district. I I mean, we we really do. It's really uh, neat. I'd love to tell you and the listeners a story about that. But before I do, I want to interject really quickly. Volleyball, female volleyball. I'm really interested where he's going with this. I'm not a sports guy. I'm not. And Brian can tell you I, I am uh, like the opposite of a sports guy. Yay, I, I, sports ball. Sports ball. <laughs> yeah, we used to call it that. That's what most sports ball. But that's what theater people a, do a that, that don't play sports. They say volley. yay, sports ball. <laughs> no, honestly, honestly. Um, of all the team sports that I've had the privilege of watching throughout my lifetime, Female competitors in volleyball, to me, is the most absolute fascinating. I mean this sincerely. Because anywhere you go, whether it be the college level, the high school level, the pro level, it's like all these people get together. They are just like shaking hands and they're super nice and they're awesome. Oh, they don't mean it. Holy crap. (laughs) They don't mean any of that. Seriously. when, When the competition starts, when a game starts... I have never seen more cutthroat competitors yeah. than women's volleyball. Yeah. It is unfreaking. I I know polo guy. I get it. You're making fun of me over here for being like all oh, like. You know, I'm sorry. The the polo. girls water polo team but, was a lot more vicious than the guys. No, the yeah, guys well, it was all about peacocking. It's like yeah, they, they'd swing and make it look big and vicious. But, the, but the ladies, they they'd swing. Yeah. Fair oh yeah. Enough. They oh swing swing their swing. arms. They would like they just make no, it's like, just spl- it's, it's like, like spl- oh. it's like splashing. <laughs> but honestly, <laughs> women's volleyball is it, it for me to watch it was so magical because it like all these people just became the most fierce cutthroat competitors. Oh, you wanted to be manager, and then it was done. No, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to be manager. Ball boy. I, oh, I just, yeah, yeah. Ball oh, ball boy. boy. Oh, you would have enjoyed that. <laughs> I knew you, you would have enjoyed that. <laughs> I knew though, at a very young age, like you do not fuck around <laughs> with a woman's volleyball player. You just don't because it's like, oh, you're doing so great. I love you. Big hug. And I'm sorry for your friend, but I must break you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I will break her. Seriously. And, and, and Dolph Lundgren modeled that character after. A woman's volleyball match. Well, and That's just to interject, came up with the inspiration. And just to interject with the first with the first f bomb of the show of season five, we say hello, Mrs. Chambers. Ma, what's up? <laughs> I didn't Hi, say it, Mrs. Chambers. <laughs> it's my fault. Um, you know, but okay. So volleyball. How did you? Were you? Was your family really big into sports, and they really pushed you that way, or was that something? you just decided you really wanted to do? Well, my father was the a pretty successful coach at Fresno State Track and Cross Country for 36 years. Oh, so, so, yes. you, you, so you had State. a lot of and influence. And I have three brothers. Okay. And uh, the they were all in sports as well. But um, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to be in sports, but I didn't want to do what all everybody else was doing so volleyball was a sport that um it, it's a fantastic sport i also played soccer i was a keeper it's the one that no one can touch you <laughs> i was a midi. i like sports I was where they midi. don't get I to get touch it. you yeah. so i was never going to be involved in basketball yeah no ten, of, tennis you could have been a ten, tennis player could have but the skirts the skirt <laughs> 
not, so. not a fan of the fashion. Well, you could have changed the, what was it, uh, Billie Jean King? Oh, <laughs> yeah, my God. Right? Well, I actually brought the tennis skirt to the volleyball court. I'm not going to lie. When I was living in New York, I started playing a lot of um, intramural uh, volleyball. We played, I played more surfaces and combinations of numbers on the side, and uh, it was it was indoor sixes women's. It was coed women's. It was uh, we would do uh, reverse coed, so the net was lower. We did beach tournaments. We did grass tournaments. We did all kinds of things, but I did feel that it was appropriate to bring. A little femininity to some of those co-ed matches. And so I did bring the tennis skirt to the volleyball court. How'd that go over? It was really awesome. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it really, when you're playing co-ed, you know, if you're not as good as the rest of them, which I wasn't, I was just sort of really good at heckling. And so, you know, there was an opportunity heckling. when I was at the front row. I'm going to kill you. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, it's, no, no. It's I, more I, about I, lifting I, the skirt. Oh, see, oh. psychological warfare it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my word, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't have lasted. I, I, that, that, that's what probably gotten. I was, <laughs> I was a big head case when I played sports. It was if you got it in my head, I, I was done. I was done. So well, it is a mental game, and if you're not up for it, Brian, I yeah, I, I definitely was not <laughs> up for it. I was very easily intimidated in sports. <laughs> so, well, that's why. That's why having a net between you is a great is a great well and and to your point you know no one had to could touch you at that point apparently i chose the wrong sport as well there's no yeah well you brought basketball there's a reason why basketball was such a head game right because people are whispering in your ears they're right next to you guarding you they're they're pushing oh yeah they shove you all kinds of things yeah no 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 i once played um a flag football i hosted a thanksgiving and like charity of, thing or is no, it no no, no, no. just fun okay. friends were up in my hood and because that's what I do in my hood <laughs> <laughs> I knew yeah. I was like I was gonna see if you're gonna let her get away with that yeah. one <laughs> no I was up in Inwood which is a hood in New York City and it's the sort of I'm familiar most, with it yeah right so um we called it the Opera Ghetto and I lived the up there ghetto. I like it yeah and uh the great park up there and so while we were waiting for Thanksgiving dinner to be cooked we all decided to go up to the park or try and park and play flag football. Well, I was never one for contact sports. And my friend thought it would be really fun. She said, I want to be opposite and guard you, Kelly. And all I did was spend the time going, Tanya, quit touching me. And she's like, I'm blocking you. It's called blocking. And I was like, quit touching me. And so then I basically won because I would beat her because she started laughing so hard because I was so offended at the, I'm like, where's the boundaries, Tanya? The boundaries. I'm, I need some of those. And so the net provided that in soccer, you know, in volleyball, and in soccer, I was a keeper. Yeah. No touchy. It's fair enough. No touchy <laughs> to keeper. It's like how you had to draw the Honestly, boundaries oh, for the sport. It was crucial. <laughs> I don't even like my own sweat, let alone somebody else's, right? So I, I, I can relate. You know, it's like, I just, yeah. I, you know, every time you, when you talk like that, I'm picturing uh, the Ben Stiller, uh, Jennifer Aniston movie, Along Came Polly. When oh, they're, oh, yeah. When yeah, they're right. playing, playing basketball. No, yeah. they're playing basketball, and the, the guy takes off his shirt and is just like really hairy and sweaty. And he's like, You want to put your shirt back? He's like, What? 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 Well, let's play. And he, <laughs> and he ends up like all over his face. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah, I had to endure that in the movie trailers for like months until I saw the movie. And then I had to. And thanks for bringing that back up. That's a really. Anything that I can do to lovely, help you get over that fear. It's a lovely scene. I know, right? You know, I tried CrossFit for a while, and that's, that's why, nothing. Why? But no one needs to know how to flip sweat. a tire. You're just. No one needs to know it's how to flip true. a tire. I'm and sorry. They, and hammers don't work that way, it turns out. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, let's get back to our neighbor here. So, all right, so you obviously go from athlete to singer, which, which is, is a big the same thing. Okay, well, contact com- sport and all, yeah, both competitive sports. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so what took you out of California? Then was it was it singing? Oh, it was yeah, grad, grad school. school. Okay, yeah. So I went to U of H, and they had a fantastic have a fantastic program, and um, I lucked into a situation where they had just graduated all of the of the ladies that were of my L, my uh, graduate level voice and my voice category. So I managed to 
get some pretty significant roles while I was in grad school, which is kind of unusual. But I thought, well, of course I should. Well, well I, I was saying, you've know, already stated that I just I, need a stage. All, so. I only <laughs> went there to get more stage time. And so it it's only fitting, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, Houston, they could use me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So we went to, I came to UVH and managed to get pretty five big roles in my grad grad school days and then was in Houston. Uh, I stayed another three years. And at that time, um, Opera in the Heights was just coming about. And so I managed to sing the first few uh, big shows with them for the first three years. And, and it was after that that I bounced over to the Big Apple. For more stage time? For more, well, actually for subway time. Turns oh, okay. Because <laughs> I lived in Un Inwood. Uh, because if you live in Inwood, well, so if you live in a cool part of town, you've got 12 roommates. If you live in Inwood and live by yourself, you've got you've got 12 locks in the door. Subway mates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you have 12 deadbolts. I, I, um, I don't know which is. Which I, I'm, don't actually work. I've. I'm gonna say, victim. flip the coin. Would you do you do you like the fact of having the longer commute, or having would you have rather had more in roommates? Oh no, no. <laughs> I mean, so, I don't. I'm, I always ask everyone. I personally, after having like, I, I've had good roommates. I've had two very good roommates. Well, three. I'd say three throughout my entire life. Other than that, I've never like the rest of them. Ugh. Dude, I, I don't even like myself, and I have to live with me. So yeah, I, I totally get it. I would say my my wife won. If she's listening, I don't even know if she's listening to the this podcast. The perfect roommate. The perfect roommate. There we go. The perfect roommate. Yes, and Misty Chambers, you're welcome Misty, back to the show yeah. anytime. <laughs> okay. okay. So hang on. I, I bring this up to every guest that I've ever had in the show that has lived in New York. Growing up 45 minutes outside New York City. Wait, wait. Get the voice. Come on. Which one? You know the voice. I think that right now what we should do is we should do a little bit of the Brooklyn thing. A little of the Brooklyn? Right. Just what a do you want? Uh, do you want Jersey? Ooh. You want a little Jersey? Or uh, <laughs> a little do bit you Long want Island Staten going Island? On over there, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I I like the, the Staten day. Island one. I remember Today, the day that I was temping my office. I was temping <laughs> down in the then um, World Trade Center. And um, a gal said to me, she goes, I'm going to go get coffee. And I said, okay. And I said, oh, isn't that funny? And then I remember the day that I actually said, so I'm going to go get some coffee. And I went, oh. I just said coffee. I just made it like a 12-syllable word. How did that happen? I love it. Oh, my God. Growing up outside of New York City, everyone always says, oh, New York is great. It's so easy to get around. I always hear that crap. And it, you live in Manhattan. Give me a break. There's nothing easy about the subway or taxis. It is like... A nasty hot sweat fest that you got to fight your way onto a train through, right? You wait downstairs in the heat sewer for like an hour for your, change to, your train to arrive, right? Which is only nice in the, except in the winter. Yeah, it finally shows up and you realize that someone like just barfed where you have to stand for the yeah, next You don't ever want to walk into the empty car because oh, there's a reason. There's always a reason, right? <laughs> Everyone says, ooh, there's yeah. one person in it's there, like, and you go, oh, yeah. Oh, George Clooney left the present for Richard Kind's cat <laughs> in the middle of the car. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> and But honestly, like, New York is not an easy place to live. It is it's a wonderful place, place to live. It's not easy. So I once heard that there was um, the rule of threes, three threes. The first three weeks you're there, the first three months you're there, the first three years. And those were these hurdles you had to sort of overcome. First three weeks was Oh my God! I'm walking everywhere. I have to carry everything with right. me at all times. Yeah. Good luck buying a sofa. Comfort shoes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's only three deliverable. blocks. We can carry it. <laughs> oh, I once jammed a Christmas tree on the subway. Shoved it right on up. Put the turkey in the backpack and hauled that thing right up Columbus. Absolutely. Yep. So, <laughs> so the free three. So, so, you, so your first three. First three things of New York, three, the three York. hurdles. First three weeks is all about figuring out that, oh, my God, you have to walk everywhere, and you have to actually carry everything you ever want right, for like the a entire camel. 24 hours like a camel. Mm -hmm. Yes, up and downstairs. 
like and comfortable yeah. shoes. Oh, and the summers are so nice. It's no, super no, it's awesome. fine until August, right? As mm, as our, as is winter. Because <laughs> winter is fun because you look like Nanook from the north, and then you get down into the into the actual subway car, and you have to start undressing because the subways are actually one thousand really degrees. Yeah, one thousand. Well, like absolutely surface of the sun. It is the weirdest. <laughs> it, it I don't is, understand. So you're taking it off. You're putting it on. You're putting it on. I'm like I'm on a stripper. Right. No. You're like put some of that heat up there. <laughs> I mean, they have can, poles in the subway. We can right. melt the snow. <laughs> is people. that why? Wow, <laughs> I'm not gonna. No. Don't. So we'll stick with the threes because that's really too easy, Brian. You can't. Just I, throw try, those to of I, I try to lob some. I try to lob some things up in there. Front of me. Oh. So the second set of threes is the first three months. It's actually finding a place that you want to live and can afford. So finding that spot is. You'd think that it would be easier than with so many. Not so. Why any, any place isn't awesome? I mean, yeah, it's fun when they chopped up like, like, one apartment into four. I knew friends that had a place in on the Upper West Side on Columbus, and like in the eighties somewhere. So a really cool spot to live, and they sublet the space behind. Well, it's two story place, and they had an actual outdoor space, so you can imagine the rent. Um, they sublet the space. They sublet one couch, one, excuse me, one uh, closet and put a mattress in there. And that was literally a bedroom. <laughs> and they God. sublet, it gets better. They sublet the space behind a couch. Wow. They put a twin mattress back there. So a cot, <laughs> essentially. So a they just Yeah, or a mattress. On yeah, the they, floor. They're like, we're just giving you and a bed. And you could bed. put a little tent. Yeah. And it was, it, it was, and, and for the cost, and you just can't believe them. Like, where sun, when, when they put sunny... Or has or sees the sun at some point during the twenty four hours is actually an amenity that you'll pay dearly for. Right. You will pay for. They hang like the little prism from the window where the sun rays <laughs> oh, come for through. The like for in one the pictures in the month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The little wind chime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, there's a bird, bird feeder happens. in the window. It's like, oh my gosh, that looks beautiful. <laughs> the first place I. I I sublet was way up in way up in Inwood, the very last stop on a train, and it had it was it was a huge apartment. It was fantastic. It had hallways. It had a foyer. It had um, an eat-in kitchen. It had, and it had about thirty-four seconds worth of sunlight because it was a second-floor <laughs> place, and it was on in the back of the building, and on that one second of time, yeah, 34 seconds of time, you could kind of catch the reflection off of right. 12 different, you know, windows. Some dirty that window. That say, yeah. Uh, I'm like picturing <laughs> yeah. like 12 people fighting for like one spot just to catch it like every day. Like all day. the cats <laughs> trying oh, yeah, to figure exactly. out where to lay down. Like yeah. walking in is like, hey, hey, I'm here, so I'm here. hunting <laughs> for an apartment, you go with a suitcase of cash. You literally go oh, yeah. ready to pay. You don't go, okay, I'm going to think about it. Oh, no, because that's getting rented immediately yeah. like on the spot so it's cutthroat it's cutthroat so what's the first three years then so the first the final, three years the is threes. oh my god am i going to live here forever do uh, I wanna, you know, can you, i survive this uh, right. okay yeah. do i want to stay here forever because you know because soon, now if you, you meet say somebody coffee. and you have now you say coffee you got an apartment you know how to walk yeah. you can wear the comfortable shoes and tennis shoes do go with a business suit or a dress or an audition dress it turns yeah. out. Not from here. You'll no. get used to it. Right. Oh. <laughs> My yeah. first audition, I actually, in New York, was, I actually asked somebody. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I said, excuse me, can you tell me how to get to Carnegie Hall? And they said, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Practice. <laughs> Can you believe this? And they got on their phone and they started telling all their friends. <laughs> so, so, so did you do? Did you do the whole like cattle call classic New I York did. auditions? Yeah, I did. I did a few, and um, I very early decided I didn't prefer that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I was equity. I was an equity actor at the you, time. Okay. Yeah, and so I went into things and I actually experienced the non-equity by watching them say, you know what. We're just gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna type type you all of the non-equity people type you out. They actually lined them up. Ladies, come on in. And I watched them go, look at the line of people and go, mm, we'll hear you. Everybody else, thanks for coming in. 
people dolled up. People got worn. They would crash these auditions. Hoping, I mean, and I was like, wow, that's that's soul crushing. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so once upon a time, I actually thought that I wanted to be an actor. And, you know, kudos to, to you both for being in the performing world. Totally chickened out. Part of the reason why I was living in Ithaca, New York. And I actually drove down to the city, the city, right? Yes. To, to you, you left the country club. LA. God <laughs> damn it, Billy! Ithaca, Navy Ithaca, Ithaca, oh. Ithaca is far from a country club. <laughs> Ithaca is Ithaca. like. <laughs> other than the Cornell students. Oh, sorry. This is this was co- English, this is college. Like, God damn it! But this, yeah, this was college. Col- okay, col- got it. Well, got it yeah, okay. college. Let's call it college age. Yeah, yeah. All right. Fair know, enough. Fair enough. College. Call it college. college age. <laughs> College for me was like a sneeze in an intro to poetry class. Um, but but uh, I, I drove down for a cattle call audition. And I, I literally, I, I crashed with a buddy and I went walking up to the audition. And I saw the line of 5,000 people lined up outside of this theater for auditions. And I thought, acting's not for me. I'm out. <laughs> that, was, that was like, I can't, there's no the way. Yeah, there's no way, right? I, I was picturing myself all kinds of horrible things, right? Like, you know, 99% of them are every bit as talented as I am, if not more, which looking back on it, they're all much more talented than I am. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it was, it, it's really terrifying. So you did it. You actually, you got to see that horrible spectacle oh, of like crazy. humiliation. Well, you'd think it was humiliating, but you know, it's, it, I mean, it's interesting, you know, when you have this bug you just kind of keep going I for know. it. No, you performers like those dolls you knock down with the sand in the bottom. You just pop back. You're up. like one of those, blah, 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 like at the back of a. Rejection. I mean, it kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. It's very similar to that. I mean, I just, I don't know. It, it took me a while to, to actually enjoy auditioning because I, I got over the fact of whether I was trying to impress them. I was just wanting to go in and, and do what I could do. Have fun. At that is that yeah, right exactly. around the same time that you stopped cutting? Or, <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. But no, no. But long sleeve jacket. Exactly. And a huggy jacket. No, I mean, I mean, it, it was. Brian, you're alive. It's okay. It, it was a little bit. It, it's it's harder starting out in and when you're younger. It actually gets for me. It, it's become easier getting older, not because of the opportunities, because they still cast a lot of young. Clearly, uh, clearly the kids. problem the problem is expectations. Yeah, maybe, right? maybe, maybe that is the problem. But I, I don't know. I like Kelly said. I, I have more fun now when I do it versus worrying about why am I going to try to impress you. I get it needs a, to be a, thought of as an interview, not a personal statement about your worth. Yes, and that's unfortunately yes. what artists feel. You know that that it's their, you know it, and singing is the most, and acting is is such a, uh, personal expression. So it's really personal when you get rejected over and over and over. Because right. it's all you got, right? You're bearing your soul oh, for yeah. that moment. You know, it, it's about you, especially with the voice. This is an instrument you can't just put aside. Oh, the humidity. Oh, the it wasn't in tune. Oh, the no, it's kind of just you. Singing is an athletic event. You got muscles. Those are the vocal cords. If your health is not, you, you are an athlete. That's why singers don't sing the same way they do when they were younger as when they were older. Athletes don't, ballerinas don't last past a certain age, gymnasts. You're at your, your pinnacle at a certain point. There's a window. And then if, if you're smart, you, you look around and see how to use your instrument. And so one of the things that I did was, because um, I started off singing sort of the high coloratura kind of operatic stuff, saying Lucia and Mosetta and stuff like that, that um, Pamina and all the Inas, all of that stuff. But at a certain point, you, I mean, I kind of looked ahead and I thought, gee, you know, what's going to happen later? And I also didn't like auditioning. And I thought, I thought, golly, I hated giving somebody else the power to tell me when I could and couldn't sing. And I'm way too independent. I'm the only rose in a bed of thorns. I have three brothers to be told when <laughs> I could and couldn't do something. So that's when I decided to start uh, Lone Star Lyric because I decided I want to, well, let's be honest, cast me first and decide how many people I needed to hire to carry me on and off stage. W- w- which, by the I way, I want to thank you because <laughs> Kelly actually hired me. That's right. So she did. And with a very little audition process. <laughs> so and where did, she, we, where, where did we audition? 
I, I'm trying to. Oh, in your in, in your room. living room, like she brought in my me lyric lounge. That's right. She brought me. This was it was it was actually really. I, I can tell listeners this. It was really odd for me because I've never had somebody had me come to their home before. Not not here locally, and this wasn't for for. A, a legit audition, not a reading, not a, you know, something like <laughs> she, she gave me the address and I, I'm driving around <laughs> and I'm looking, looking for a studio looking for like a studio or yeah. somewhere, you know, it's something and, and theater or something. I'm just like, I'm like, uh. and my dog probably greeted you before I right got at the, the window, door. right yeah. at the window. And I, I was, <laughs> right. I swore I was in the wrong place. Uh, Kelly opens the door and, and welcomes me in. And then she sat there and she talked to me. I just remember you talked to me first for a while. Then she took my rep book and just goes, oh, I'll just sing this. I, I always say that I cast, I expect good singing and I just cast actors. And that's really kind of an unusual approach because, Lisa you you did a musical, but in opera, in anything, I mean, I like to play with people. I want people to be real. I don't, I'm not paying you to teach you. So I, think, I want I think, you I think to I, bring yeah. what, show me what you got. I think Let's I love it. that line because that sums it up really beautifully, actually, right? How you look at the at the performers you're going to be dealing with. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So Lots of good singers. It, but do you engage me on stage? Right. Can you, do you have an idea? Because I can work with somebody with a, a clear choice. I can't work with somebody who I, I once, well, many times, unfortunately, I had someone sing, uh, you know, Mosetta's Waltz, which is from La Boheme. And there's lots of ways you can do that and play with that. And I said, great, now let's play. So let's just pretend that you're on the set. It's Christmas Eve. You've anything in this room, which was in a big space, I said, including the, the your accompanist, it's free game. Do whatever you want to do. And I Throws want you to up. face upstage. And, I, and then turn around whenever you feel like it might be an appropriate time to do it to suddenly appear because it's a big crowd scene and she comes out of the crowd. And it was shocking at how clueless um, they ha- they were, you know, this person was to, she kind of turned around at a, a certain beat and I just thought, wow, I gave you carte blanche. To compare that to somebody who is, quite honestly, one of the most phenomenal crooners I've ever met. Um, she sang an audition I had. Um, I always have them in my in my lyric lounge, in my house. I have the fire going if it's in winter. And uh, one of my favorite uh, crooners that has sung for my cabarets, she came in, she said, I always, re- always remember your audition because you were having like a glass of wine. You offered me one. The lights were low. You had a fire going. And you had a little stool over there in the room. And I said, and you just kind of sat there and said, go for it. And it was, it was such a different experience. And, and I remember being in, I've had one audition where somebody said to me, oh my gosh, I love that aria. I can't wait to hear you sing it. And it's fascinating, that psychology that, that does to a singer or a performer, an actor, to kind of like, oh, they're not looking to eliminate me. They can't wait to hire me. They can't wait right. to be entertained. And so I'm all about what what do you bring to the table? I've got some ideas. And where can we meet in the middle and make those work for a fun idea? You know? Well, and that's what I hope that directors and casting going forward always look for. They... I want to hire you. They... Like, going into... An, like, seeing somebody saying, I want to hire you, help me see that. But unfortunately, in certain genre like musical theater in particular, um, not as much in opera, but in musical theater, it is physical. You're already not, or you're either considered or not considered before right. you open your mouth right? because of your physical type. And from experience, I've had well, that, where I did an audition where they, it was a children's opera audition, and they, I walked in, I sang something. They said, great, you want to do a reading? I said, sure. And I looked at the, and I was kind of, looking over it, and they said, oh, no, it's on the second page. And I said, oh, okay. It was nothing but the Wicked Witch. And I said, oh, clearly, you can see my range. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. and, and as I left the audition, I looked down the room, and there were 50 girls 
who were flat-chested and looked like the princess, the young Snow White, or whatever the character, you know. So it's physical typecasting yeah. as well. So. Well, and you know, <coughs> obviously can't blame the production for that because they do have to meet certain criteria for what they're looking for. Well, you, no, you can't. costumes and wigs. Yeah, but say you, well, you, can, you can right. blame them a little bit. Yes, you, can. you absolutely can blame them <laughs> a little bit. Because well, <laughs> uh, there's makeup. Yeah. I, I was about to contradict myself as well and, and say, however, I do think that it's short-sighted because I do think that people get kind of like caught up in this, you know, oh, we're going to have the perfect production of X everyone forgets that anything on stage is make-believe. So it really doesn't matter, right? You can sell anything to anybody in the audience. That should be your goal right. for a production. I well, once cast an African-American as an Irishman, and you didn't even notice. Who cares? I just don't even care. I don't see any of that stuff. I'm like, you're hilarious. Right. You're amazing. I, can't, I don't, you know, I just don't, I don't see all that stuff. But I don't go out to sort of seek that kind of quote unquote diversity. I don't. I'm like, show me what you got. But okay. But speaking of, uh, of entertainment, and since we already had uh, dove into a little bit of Lone Star Lyric, uh, tell us what's going on with Lone Star Lyric and what it, it really is about. Because I know you have a lot of things that are always happening with this. Um, yeah. uh, being the artistic director, you kind of have firsthand knowledge. Yeah, it's kind of my fault. <laughs> All of it is. She <laughs> might be involved. She, she, she could be. I always say if you love it, it's because of the people on stage. If you hate it, it's all my fault. Um, honestly, I started it because I got tired of people dictating when I could and couldn't perform. And then I thought about it and I thought, you know, where could I create something, give an opportunity for other folks that were in that same situation? And so I started Lone Star Lyric. I co-founded it. Uh, and I've, I've found that we are a uh, – I've been a fan of sort of the boutique scale events. So in undergrad, I was fortunate enough to get leads in five uh, one-act operas. And the one-act is such a great little scale and size to create a whole character. And nobody does them except in colleges. And there's so many – of these kinds of things. So it kind of started at that, on that level. And I also, it, it was a financial decision because you don't have any chorus to pay. You don't have all that other extra stuff. Yeah. And I did it with just piano. And so I kind of have always kept Lone Star Lyric in a very boutique scale. Everything chamber-sized. Everybody's the star. There are no ancillary characters. If there are, I invent additional things to make them part of like of an equal setting. Um, so we started as doing chamber pieces, uh, chamber operas. And then I started doing uh, one act musicals, which Brian, you were uh, in one of them, uh, one of great. our most successful ones, it was really which great. was the, the cast was asking me to continue to uh, let's, let's prolong, let's keep, we going. wanted to go. We, we wanted, wanted to, to run it for another two or three weeks. Uh, it was so funny and it was packed all the time. So I ran Lone Star Lyric for six years from New York as a summer festival period, just producing things. So I'd come down on my vacation and uh, produce three operas or two operas but here, here in Houston. Yeah. Because that was my grad school. Uh, you know, I still had that connection, but Houston here, you guys were talking about this earlier. I think that Houston has, I call Lone Star Lyric sort of one of the plankton companies that survive off of the immense cultural appetite, the rich culture that Houston provides, which is all the big fives, the Alley Theater, Houston Grand Opera, the Symphony, the theater, or the, uh, uh, the Museum District. You know, all of these organizations provide an appetite for culture. And because of that, smaller organizations can exist because they're, they can provide something different. And for many years, people have tried to ask me to kind of encourage me to, to do something that's more like such and such. And I think, well, why? They do it so well. I can't do that. I don't have that kind of budget. So I've been very careful about protecting this sort of boutique scale of anything we produce. So when I moved back, <clears throat> excuse me, to Houston, I, I'm not gonna lie, I spent a few, many nights, weeks, 
months, years. Play, uh, playing volleyball? At pl- not playing volleyball. <laughs> after playing volleyball. <clears throat> I know, so she picked up, she dusted off the knee yes. pads. I dusted that up. Yes. Uh, at piano bars and learning this art of cabaret and what is cabaret. And unfortunately, Houstonians kind of think it's still topless. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh gosh! So um, Philip, I see you nodding there. You can stop smiling. <laughs> all right, Honestly, I, it's not tough. It's not tough. I it's thought it tough. was too until you told me that you were performing. <laughs> in a I, it's like it's like in really a cabaret I, style. T- you like, were picturing me like topless, <laughs> like, like wow. a little bit. I'm like, there's that water polo, Brian, yeah. coming out. <laughs> My old swimming days coming back. Right. <laughs> it's raining, men. <laughs> Well, cabaret is a it's a fun it's a fun genre that doesn't fit in anything. And a lot of people use the term mistakenly because it's not about doing musical theater songs right in concert. And that's what a lot of folks tend to do and it actually isn't that. Cabaret is a genre that sort of can pull any piece of music if it's if it comes from a show, if it comes from an opera, if it comes from an oratorio, doesn't matter. It's about spinning it into something new. So it doesn't have to be what's on the page. It can be something new. So you throw a samba rhythm under it. See what happens. All of a sudden, those lyrics take on a new genre. And then if you set it up in a way that it can belong to another show. So cabaret is a combination of lots of music from lots of different sources and then they form some other show because there's some central theme so um anyway so i brought that to houston and now i've got golly i can't even tell you now i'm teaching it too well now do you guys you have shows going on right now you have some coming up what what is coming up well we just finished so july ended or june ended our 16th season we're starting our 17th season and just actually last night we started our um Ninth during the pandemic, all things get created when you're Pent stuck up at home. And locked up yeah, at home. exactly. <laughs> and while a lot of folks, theater companies went online, I am not technically smart enough to do anything like that. Nor do I believe in that online environment for what is essentially live theater. Live theater is the right because it's horrible. It's horrible. It is. So, but um, I understand. You know, I just didn't want to do it. So I decided. Um, I live right next to. Um, Nico Nikos, and I'm good friends with the owner, Dimitri. And Dimitri, I said, Dimitri, can I come and do a show in your parking lot? Because I live right next door. And he said, yeah, why not? For our he, listeners, this is the Nico Nikos on Montrose, which on is Montrose. a major thoroughfare that original? goes south yes, and north. Yes, for those that are in Houston. Right and in for those that are city. not, and you come visit. It's, it's fabulous Greek food. You yes, Greek food and <laughs> a very large parking yeah. lot. Yeah. You know, actually, Big shout out to Nico. Nikos. Yeah, yeah. Hello. <laughs> uh, um, maybe there are one listener. Um, but <laughs> no, actually, you know, it, it would be kind of cool uh, if we came out and set up and and did a a show. That could be fun. Well, so, just to help promote, like part prior to. Well, well the thing that happened went, is that so. we now have a an outdoor series. It's a free outdoor series because of that. Really? Yeah. So okay, so you did Which it in the still parking exists. lot. Mm-hmm. Success, people came. 100 people. I love it. Is now it, they rent just tables you, and chairs. Is it give what you give, or is it now yep. they, they charge? Or no. Okay. no, no, no. There's no way of navigating that. Okay. So it's outside. They rent tables and chairs for us, and we get 100 people out there all the time. I love because it. Because people can awesome. eat from Nico Nico's. They can order in advance. We um, And we provide all the entertainment just literally just out into the stars. So, okay. So, so, so tell us um, and, and our listeners, is is this part of the 17th season, this yes. outdoor series? Okay. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not the whole thing. No. That's one of. So we have an outdoor series. This We call them the Palladium Concerts. Ooh. And those are the outdoor, the live uh, free concerts. It's a very fancy sounding name. It's a very sexy well, sounding very name, actually. Well, it's very Greek. Is, is I like I, it. Yeah. But um, I also started something called, uh, something I wanted to do for a long time, but didn't really ever have time, which was, um, I call it the lyric. Beheading the slaves. Here we go. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, not Greek. Okay, got it. Oh, <laughs> Wouldn't that be French? The so the other. Oh, no, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. They didn't <laughs> just do theater. <laughs> right. No, I started something called the Lyric Lab, which is a cabaret workshop. And I get some of the best jazz pianists in town to come and coach, not just, it, it's, it's not about necessarily teaching. I don't teach singing. 
I don't teach uh, music or theater or theory or any of that sort of thing. I'm teaching confidence through the American Songbook. And I'm teaching people to uh, get up in front of a crowd, read a crowd, be able to adjust to a crowd, reflect, respond to a crowd. Um, I'm teaching basically confidence through the American Songbook, which is all this fabulous, love it, fabulous music with some of the best players in town. Currently, uh, Paul English is playing for our workshop, and these are people I get people, the students that I get a max of six singers because it's boutique, it's small, and I want them up there singing, 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 playing, and trying, and trying some fooling around with music to make it their own. So. Uh, we have, uh, it's a six-week class, and they come to my Lyric Lounge, my, where Brian auditioned, and now I have fancy lights, so it's even fancier. It's, and a it's microphone. A, oh, it's even fancier. Oh, it's... It, it's not, it sounds it's like that that's the bar that we needed to, to, you, to you, make. You totally, because <laughs> when we decided we were going to make a bar, the Lyric... <laughs> that should be, that's like... That's like the Sardis, right? That needs to, <laughs> exactly. that needs to be the Sardis totally. of Houston, the Lyric Lounge. Totally. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my I love gosh. it. But in any case, it's uh, we have done since the pandemic started. We are we just started our ninth lab, so it's a six week class. And at the end of the class, they get a show. They get their own concert. It's all them with someone like Paul English, who is a Houston legend, jazz piano legend, and love and he loves it. Everybody who's played with me, it's like golly, this is a fantastic idea, and it's not for people who are looking. You know, it's not necessarily something that is, you know, teaching the next great whatever. It's about I've got a I've had a ten year old and an eighty four year old in the same class, and several in between, and they all learn from each other. I, I love I love 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 that you have a goal and a point to make sure that like you know the ten year old and the eighty four year old can get that time as performers because. One of my on favorite the same concert on the same concert. One I of my favorite memories adored. <laughs> I, I love that. One of my favorite memories as a as a young performer when I was very young, I had the opportunity to go do a stage reading for an off Broadway um, piece that this guy was trying to get funding for. He was, he was a playwright and he was pitching it, and it wound up being this who's who of Broadway kind of gathering, which I had no idea about because I was like twelve. Right. And I, I go and I, I do Ended this up reading. Being music man or something, yeah. right? I, I honestly don't know. I don't remember. But 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 I wound up doing this reading. Uh, in or this, into the woods, <laughs> yeah. right? right. Um, in this apartment in, in New York, in this right. like super glamorous, really beautiful yeah. apartment, and we do this reading. And what was so fascinating about it for me, and so what what really left an impression on me, was that it was so democratic. It was everyone there was just trying to figure out what this guy had written. So the performance itself really didn't matter, right? It was just about pitching the script. Yeah. And it was exactly what you're talking about. It was the 10-year-olds, the 84-year-olds, all these people that were kind of thrown together that for whatever reason were picked to do this. And I got to be the little kid in it, and I got the same amount of, you know, respect and attention and accolades and stage, all that stuff. It was so powerful to me yeah. as a youth because usually it's that cattle call bullshit where you're like, nah, next, you know, next, oh, yeah. we don't need you. My experience in the art scene in Houston, not really being of the arts world, has been perfunctory at best, right? I've been sort of like hovering and meeting great people like you and like Brian and, and having the opportunity to kind of geek out about performing because I still genuinely love everything about the performance arts. But I'll never forget, I was a bar fly for many, many years at a, a great local dive bar called Poison Girl, which... Oh, we, we all know it Houston, here. We all know Poison Girl. You should go Girl. visit Poison Girl. And and one night, I'm, I'm hanging out. My Your underwear is still pinned on the wall. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. I'm convinced I put at least four of them through college. Um, but but there was a local uh, Houston uh, ballet dancer. 
guy named Richard. I'm, I'm not going to embarrass him with his last name, but he, he worked for the, the Houston Ballet for quite a long time. And yeah. so so he started hanging out at the bar and we get to know each other a little bit and, and we're chatting. I wind up getting invited out to this um, downtown speakeasy after hours that I'm not going to also mention for protect, protection of certain people. It wound up being this like hysterically bohemian four o'clock in the morning, like cash only bar in this building downtown environment. So I'm in there and and Richard, my my new friend from the bar, starts clearing people out at about four o'clock in the morning. And this is four o'clock in the morning going on to like a Sunday. I'm like, Richard, what's up? He goes, oh, I've got a ballet class coming in in about a half hour. So we got to clear out the bar. They give us the space once a week, every Sunday morning from 4.45 until 6.45. I said, excuse me, what, what are you talking about, <laughs> right? right? Are, hey, are, are he's you, making the most of that space. Yeah. No, like, you've been drinking all night. What are you talking about? He goes, right. he goes no, no, no. He goes, honestly, he said, um, there are a bunch of dancers all throughout the city that want to learn and they can't afford lessons. So we open the doors every Sunday morning for two hours from 4.45 to 6.45 in the morning. And anybody that That's can show up. That's dedication right there. We give ballet dancing lessons. Wow. It's almost like pinch me because there's no way this can actually exist. And and sure enough, these students start piling in and they were as young as like 13, 14 years old, these kids, right? I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, where are you coming from where your parents have no idea that you're out at quarter of five on a Sunday? They were 60, 70, 80 years old. This group of people just comes funneling in ready to dance and Richard just taught the class, and that's yeah. just what he did. So Houston is a an absolute hotbed of local, uh, of incredibly internationally recognized talent. But the other thing I have to say is I actually, Lone Star Lyric promotes local and hires locally. I, I know that we could keep going for forever, but we have a part in our show that we, we want to hear a little bit, being a local neighbor. Um, if you have any neighborly advice... For any of our neighbors or our listener or listeners, maybe we've gained two or three more from since we started talking. You're um, giving me a complex with this. No, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't, it's season five. Maybe they tuned out. Maybe they're just. Maybe they're waking back up to tune back in. I don't know. But Kelly, do you have any neighborly advice that you'd like to give anybody about anything and anything? It doesn't matter wow. what. Yeah, it's That's all kind of on broad. the spot. It is on the spot. What would you say to your next door neighbor? What kind of advice would you give your next door neighbor? Bagging your dog's poop has been taken. Just saying. <laughs> totally. We have had but a whole episode on that. if my dog jumps off the balcony, please give me a ring because <laughs> I'll be your new bestie. Could call when your pets are in danger. <laughs> <laughs> Heads up. Wow. Super Heads up for jumping pets. off the balcony, yeah. Oh my gosh. Advice. Hire local. Ah, there we go. I love it. There we go. That's, because that's we a new one. are Brilliant. a rich body of skilled and talented folks, and we don't have to fly them in. Ah, I like we that. We live here. That's you know we, you're right. We haven't had that one before. So see that ties in perfectly. So that is great neighborly advice. I appreciate that very much. And before we wrap it up, I would love to um, to know, and I think our listeners would like to know. How do they find Lone Star Lyric? How can they get involved? How they come to shows? Where can they go? So they can go to lonestarlyric.org. Uh, they can go to Facebook page. They Twitter. I'm not really a Twitter <laughs> guy. I just learned what IG is. I guess it's Instagram. What's Instagram? I don't. Oh, I, Instagram. I literally still don't know. <laughs> Somehow I, know, I, no I have one of the. the I know. You, you know, like it's so, it's not the same as, as the talk. That's not, what, not the tick of the talk. I, the, oh, I don't Brian even know does. what TikTok is. Yeah, Brian does the Instagramming. <laughs> I, I I do the Instagramming thing. I do the I slide into the, the DMs for. Okay, so I'm so uncool. But so Facebook, Twitter. So Facebook, well, not really Twitter. I mean, we have one, but I. Don't know how to use it. Fair enough. Neither do I. I so feel you're in good company. Oh but you can go to LoneStarLyric.org. Okay. Um, all of our events are there. Our, uh, the courses, which is the Lone Star Lyric Lab, uh, the Lyric Lab. We have a season of fantastic stuff. We're going to be doing shows at Ovations. Uh, we'll do a series of three or four cabarets at Ovations. Throughout the year, we do American Songbook cabarets, jazz cabarets with some of the best jazzers and singers in town. Awesome. Uh, 
We also do um, our outdoor series at the Palladium Concerts at Nico Nico's, which are free. Um, and it's on uh, a Thursday night, usually, a 7 o'clock show. And there'll be three or four of those this year. And Perfect night for Greek food and drinking. Indeed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then we will have our summer festival, which is always a, a lyric production, which will be over at the Match Theater. And this year we're doing something uh, I started to do before the pandemic, which was something I like to call the Cantata Cafe, which is combining, if it ain't Baroque, swing it. So I'm combining um, Baroque music and <laughs> and the jazz era because they are surprisingly quite similar. It's it's that's a great line, and it, it's a theatrical uh, sort and, of. And Beauty and the Beast, they say the same line. If it's not if Baroque, it ain't Baroque. Don't swing it? it? Yeah. Well, they don't say swing it, oh, but, they don't. but Cogsworth does say don't fix it, but he does say Baroque. So, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm hearing crickets from Philip on this one. But you know what? If you guys want to catch... I just, <laughs> I'm picturing Disney's lawyers coming after our new friend over here. I mean, this is terrifying. No, no, no. It's not the same line, Disney. <laughs> I'm just saying. But if you guys want to find out more and how to get involved with Lone Star Lyric or just get tickets to their show, you can... Email us at admin at, fa- at neighborsdontknock.com or go to lonestarlyric.org. You can check out our Facebook or Lone Star Lyrics Facebook. But let us know if you guys need anything. Uh, also, make sure that you leave a free audio message for the show. It may end up on the show. We may play it. Go to pod inbox at slash neighbors don't knock. But Indeed. It's, yeah, that's right. It's time to wrap this one up. Kelly, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. What a hoot. <laughs> that was fun. We'll see you next time. Peace. Out.